Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Let's Dance edition. As one of the most eagerly anticipated seasons in Bengals history gets underway this Sunday with the 100th Battle of Ohio between the Bengals and Cleveland Browns. Coming up, I'll talk to the longest tenured player on the Bengals roster, Tyler Boyd, who enters his eighth season in Cincinnati. Speaking of long tenures, Jeff Hobson has covered the Bengals for more than 25 years. He'll join me to look ahead to the upcoming season. And sticking with the theme, Tony Grossi has been on the Cleveland Browns beat since the mid-80s. He gives us the scoop from Cleveland on what to anticipate from Deshaun Watson and the Browns on Sunday. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since hydrangea shrubs. Whatever the opposite of a green thumb is, I have it. I am historically a serial killer of plants and flowers. But this summer, we planted three hydrangea bushes in our yard, and at least so far, they're flourishing with big pink, blue, and white blossoms. I've been sure to water them every couple of days, but they've also helped me out by indicating when they need water in extreme heat by drooping, like they're sad. So, if you're like me, and are under the impression that the only thing you can grow are your fingernails, consider planting hydrangea shrubs. They've convinced me that I might not be the Ted Bundy of plants after all. Now, let's get to this week's game. The Bengals are not only one of the NFL's best teams, they're one of the youngest. According to bookies.com, the average age of the players on the Bengals' 53-man roster is 25 years, 9 months, and 9 days. Only two teams have a younger average, Green Bay and Tampa Bay. And the Bucks have the youngest roster after the retirement of Tom Brady. The Jets, with Aaron Rodgers, have the oldest average roster in the NFL, and Pittsburgh checks in at number 6, with the oldest of any team in the AFC North. Getting back to the Bengals, Ted Karras is the only player on the 53-man roster who is 30 or older. He's in his eighth NFL season, and so is Tyler Boyd, who has spent all of those seasons in Cincinnati. I talked to him this week. Tyler, this is the start of year eight. How have you been able to maintain such a high level of play for this long? Uh, you know, just coming in and being the same person each and every day and just being consistent. You know, I think that's what this uh, game is about uh, and, and, and availability, you know, is can they count on me, you know, uh, each and every day, each and every game. And I've always been there and I always met that uh, standard. We've heard from a lot of players during training camp say that Zach Taylor's approach has been helpful to them, not beating them up during the preseason games, during camp. How helpful has that been for you? It's huge, you know, because you keep us fresh. You know, it doesn't uh, put wear and tear on our bodies. You know, it's not many days where um, we're coming in sore, banged up. You know, it's taking great care of us uh, practicing and just uh, mentally as well. You know, it ain't mentally taxing in meetings. And, uh, I mean, it's just overall he correlated so good that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pleasure for us. 
you're 28. You're still a young man in my book, but you're a vet in NFL circles. Have you given any thought to how long you'd like to do this? I've been getting out a lot. Uh, at this point, I'm just going to keep going until I feel like I can't. You know, and I, like like you said, I still feel fresh and young. I still feel like I'm on my first deal. So um, I'm going to try to go as long as I can. All right, let's take a look at the team. After missing about five weeks of training camp with his calf injury, Joe Burrow returned 12 days before the season opener. Did he look like normal Joe Burrow, or could you tell a slight difference? He still looked himself. You know, his throwing mechanics he looked well. Uh, his hip mobility, just everything that I've seen, um, I felt that he was uh, practically ready to go out there and play. If we had a game tomorrow, then he would be ready to go in my eyes. Um, I talked to him and see how he feels. Sometimes it may be still sore, but at the end of the day, he knows um, what he can do. And like I said, visualizing it, either he's having it well or he's actually really good to go. <laughs> so in my eyes, he's good to go. We're chatting with Tyler Boyd. Several weeks ago, I asked T. Higgins about the relationship between you, Jamar Chase, and him. He said, quote, we're like brothers. Blood couldn't make us any closer. We love each other like we've got the same mama. <laughs> it's not always like that between yeah. elite wide receivers on the right. same team. Why do you three have a relationship like that? Yeah, I think because it, it, it goes a long way. You know, at the end of the day, uh, we're all great receivers, and we all know that. And like you said, it's hard for a great receiver group to stay connected, you know, because everybody, every guy wants to be the guy, you know. But here, uh, we are still all the guys. You know, we uh, get just as many plays as, as, the other, as the other. You know, some of us might get more uh, targets here and there, you know, and I, I just feel we all feel comfortable with what we bring and what we do to this team. And, uh we're just genuine people, you know, that, that care for one another because we want to win. You know, if, if somebody's having a good game, we're going to uh, cheer that guy up. And then it could be a whole different week where it's another guy up. You know, guys that we don't get frustrated with numbers and how games go because uh, it's going to always come back around. You know, next, the next go around or Zach going to put us in position the next go around to uh, have that game. You know, so um, at the end of the day, we spend a lot of our time together uh, off the field as well. And that's probably uh, the brotherhood what we get. So his expression was, we're like brothers. Are you the older brother? Is that your relationship with those guys? Yeah, just because I'm the oldest, you know, but I don't treat them guys like the younger brother. You know, mm -hmm. I just look at it like we're all one. We're all one unit. Uh, we, 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 we treat each other the same with respect, and we're loyal, and um, we, we uh, protect one another. We got each other's back, and I think that's uh, what drives us to uh, keep resetting the standard on being the best each year. So, um just being well-connected uh, is, is just going to uh, make all of us better. On the topic of great Bengals wide receivers, it's already been announced that the ruler of the jungle for the home opener is going to be A.J. Green. What did A.J. do for you early in your career? Uh, he was basically the guy that I am now for everybody else now. You know, I was, He was the guy that I can come in and lean on and talk to and get advice, you know, because, he, he, I mean, he was the best at the position at the time, and that would really – that's that, that's the position you want to come in as a young receiver. To, to you could actually see him do it, and AJ wasn't as vocal as he was showing it, and and that's probably the difference between how other people go about it. And um, but for him to show it and see how it's done, and me going being able to go up to him and pick his brain and ask him how he run a certain route and certain leverage and things like that. I mean, at the end of the day, he he, I mean, he he, he was. The, the the big brother for me, so I kind of uh, embraced that role and kind of paved the way for me to uh, share with these other guys. Were you excited to hear that he was going to be the ruler of the jungle? Yes, I actually was, you know, because, I mean, 
AJ's he's a great dude. He's probably one of the greatest dudes I ever met. You know, he's he's super super upfront, man. He doesn't he doesn't party, doesn't go out. He's a he's a real stand up man. Uh, yeah, man, he just does everything right, man. I never he never gets in, gets in trouble. He never do stupid stuff. You know, he's the perfect exam, example of being a football player and a man. You open the season in Cleveland. The Bengals have lost their last five road games there. Does that stick under your craw going into this game? Yeah, uh, we all know that, you know. And uh, but each and every game, we don't kind of think of that. We look at it as we're gonna go up there and win each and every game. So um, it, it is uh, a battle for us because uh, that's been the case, going up there and leaving and losing. But we gotta uh, rewrite it now. We gotta switch it up. For the passing game to thrive, the offensive line's gotta block Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson, etc. Is that the bottom line on Sunday? It's a huge part, you know, but like, like again, it's a, it's a football game. Everybody got to play their part to win, you know, from uh, us being able to make plays against their DBs, you know, our running backs being able to pick up uh, blitzers and our running backs being able to run the ball on them. And just uh, I think as long as we just stay locked in and out execute those guys, you know, stay polished and the game will always go our way. A couple more questions for Tyler Boyd. You've got your catchphrase, big levels, and the gesture that goes with it. Maybe I should know this, but I don't. Where'd that come from? It kind of kind of been a part of me since high school, actually, and then going into college because uh, it had, it had came out of a song, and I can't really put my my mind on it. I forget it was a rap song, and it would always say levels. And at that point, I run, I would go with it because it made sense when you go out in the field and you dominate, and you look like you're uh, the superior and you're out there killing them and. So it's levels to this, so you got to step up your craft, step up your work to uh, compete with me, you know, and try to stop me. So uh, that's what I kind of reference to. It's unique. It fits you perfectly. (laughs) Final question. I think the Comeback Player of the Year award has already been decided because your friend, DeMar Hamlin, made the Bills 53-man roster. How do you feel about that? Oh, man, I'm I'm happy for him, you know, especially from what he overcame. And that was... That was that was that was big time, man. That was a sad moment, and because I, I know he he's a great great person, you know, and, and by him recovering and beating it and and beating it and the odds being against him, he's uh, been a warrior through them times, you know, and even just coming up, you know, he's still competing and fighting for spots and having to deal with things like that personally. Uh, it, it was crazy, but he has a great support system, and I'm a I'm a part of that, and uh, he's a great player as well. He's even an even better person, so it's, it'll be well-deserving. Best of luck on big levels in 2023. Hope you get a ring. Yes, indeed. Appreciate you, brother. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. The big question for the Bengals going into Sunday's opener in Cleveland is obviously the status of Joe Burrow. He was listed as a full participant at practice on Wednesday and told reporters that barring a setback on Thursday or Friday, he expects to be good to go on Sunday. As for his contract extension, who knows, it could be finished by the time you listen to this podcast, but Joe says he is not worried about it. You know, you definitely realize that it's a business. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're playing football professionally, and, you know, 
I'm, I'm with great people, some, some of my best friends in there. Like I said, that's the icing on the cake. It'll come when it comes, uh, but I'm focused on being the Browns right now. Yeah, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be my whole career. Um, we're working towards making that happen. Uh, you know, you've seen what what the front office has done and what Zach has done in their time here. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a small part of that. And, you know, I'm excited to be a part of that. And we have great people in the locker room that grind every day that, you know, are excited to go and showcase their talents and excited to do it in the city of Cincinnati. You know, we have the best fans. And so this is, this is where I want to be. Now, time to preview the upcoming season with Bengals.com editor Jeff Butch Hobson. Butch, how many years have you been on the Bengals beat? And is this the best roster that you've seen going into a season? Yeah, I mean, I've been with the team for 20. This is my 24th opener. And I would say it is probably my pretty close to my 30th opener with the Bengals. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's if it's not the best team, it's certainly the most anticipated team. But uh, certainly it's the most accomplished team. You know, I mean, they're coming off a, a no Bengals teams ever won two straight division titles. No Bengals teams ever gone to two straight AFC championship games. And they have the core back. So, I mean, it would just uh, just, you know, pure pure uh, reason would say this is the best. And of course, you know, of course it's not a reasonable league, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we have no idea what injuries will happen for the Bengals or for anybody else, but I don't see a glaring weakness. People talk about the loss of Bates and Bell. They're very, very good players, but I think Hill and Scott are maybe not as talented, but talented in different ways. Yes. So Maj P. Ryan's loss is significant, but third down back is not the most important role on an NFL roster. Like yeah. I said, I I don't see a glaring weakness. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, I uh, I saw something. Somebody had them as the most vulnerable division winner. And I just I really don't uh, I really kind of I didn't I didn't understand that because, uh, OK, they lost both safeties, but. They, they haven't lost anybody on the edge. The game's played and won on the edge, you know. I mean, obviously, safeties are important, but, I mean, they've got all their playmakers back, you know, which is, is the stunning thing to me. And I and I, and I I think you made the point on a, you know, on a who day conversation is there is there really there's stunning continuity in coaching, which I think is just as important as having a pro bowler at some position, you know. I mean, I think that you can't. Uh, you just can't uh, you can't put a price on that the continuity of it. I that's why I think the safety thing is a bit overblown because it's the same you know it's the same system and it's it and it's the guys who are around the safeties the two linebackers the the the, the three corners and, and Anna Rumo calling the shots they've all been through the thing so I think you know I think really uh, that that the coaching staff thing is underrated it shouldn't be I think you got to consider it as a you know, as a pro bowl player. It's huge. I made the analogy that it's like starting from the 50 yard line and a 100 yard dash yeah. because you don't have to start from square one. It's not, all right, this is my system. These are the words I use. And, and all of that time, I, I don't want to say wasted, but all that time spent getting yeah. up to speed in somebody else's system is a non-entity for all of the Bengals veterans. And yeah. I think that's really important on defense because we, we make a big deal, and, and part of it's true about the loss of Bates and Bell and the continuity and the communication, but there's no rule that says the safeties are the guys that have to be 
yeah. quote unquote, the quarterbacks of the defense that yeah. can come from other spots. And early this season, it will. And to me, this is one of the reasons the first two games, why I think they have an edge in the first two games. Cleveland, they're really high in their defense, but it's the first year on the Jim Schwartz, you know, so it's the first it's their first game, you know, uh, in that system. And granted, they're talented and Jim Schwartz is a hell of a coach, but this is their first time together in an actual game. Edge Bengals, you know, the next week, Lamar Jackson's a great player, but this is the first time he is not in um, in in uh, uh, the Greg offense Roman. of uh, Greg uh, Roman, uh, right? In the offense of Greg Roman, he's you know, in Edge Bengals, all right, because you know, Edge Edge because on 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 Sunday, the offense has been together for four years, going against the newly coordinated defense, and then you flip it uh, the next week. Uh, you've got. Uh, you know, Luana Rumo in five years in the same scheme going against the new offensive coordinator of Baltimore. I mean, I think that's a – to me, you've got to make those matchups count against first-year coaching staffs, and and, and you got to make that – you know, we say – we sit back and we say, oh, it's great having the having coach continuity. But the, but these are two weeks where you hopefully – hopefully that you see that. Joe Burrow basically missed five weeks with his calf strain which gives him about a week and a half to get ready for the opener in Cleveland, assuming that he plays, and I'm assuming that he does. Do you expect vintage Burrow, slightly limited Burrow? What does Joe Burrow look like in Cleveland, assuming he plays a week from Sunday? I think you get a Joe Burrow who's good enough. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to be vintage Burrow. I, I, I don't think he can ask that of a guy that sat out all this time. But I also don't think he's going to be uh, throwing it uh, just a bit outside either. You know, I think he's going to be. Uh, 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 now we don't. I I don't know. We, we we are not out there at practice. Can he run around Miles Garrett? Can he run around Zadarius Smith? You know, will he go down if he can't? You know, or will he try to make a play? And you know, so I these things I do not know. You know, and but hopefully that would go into the decision making. You know, so I think if they put him out there, I'm going to guess he can run around Garrett, you know, although he hasn't yet, I guess. Right. How many sacks does Garrett have you know, against the Bengals? But I'm seven and nine games. Yeah. Right. So bad analogy. But, uh, you know, but the other guy is good, too. You know, Darius Smith is a is a is a hell of an edge. And Schwartz is using, you know, they're 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 beating their chest up in Cleveland. They rotate in seven defensive linemen, four tackles, three edge guys they are all fired up. So, you know, there, there, there's, there's certainly no pushovers, and Joe is going to have to be as, you know, is going to have to be able to do it athletically. If they put him out there, I assume he can do it athletically, and at that point, I say he's good enough to win. I agree. I think of it more like two years ago than last year. So coming off the knee injury up until the Denver road game, Joe, by his own admission, wasn't 100% confident in his ability to run. He would yeah. move as needed. He didn't take off and run. And then late in the year on the Super Bowl run, he did. I don't think it's as drastic now as it was then, coming off, tearing basically every uh, ligament in his knee. But I yeah. do think maybe early this year, he runs a little less. And I, and I think he'll be, and people have talked about this, you know, there's a hell of a difference between a calf strain which is has challenges in itself and, and a surgery, you know what I mean? So I'm just not sure, you know, physically that he was really in that great shape when he went out there, 
you know, and I don't know, you know, I, I, he's been through a lot of rehab and I think cardio. So I think we know he'll be in, he'll have his body that, that he didn't have in last year's opener. Yep. And, you know, I just look at their openers with Burrow, you know, and uh, the two losses they've, they've had have been very easily wins. I mean, the referee takes his flag out on AJ on the AJ green play, which is absurd, but they should have won that game. And how many different times, they turned it over five times and still should have won five ways against Pittsburgh. So, you know, they usually come out of the, you know, they come out of the box and play a game that they're, that they should win. And Joe's playing behind a better offensive line. They've got four starters back and the one new guy is a four-time pro bowler in Orlando Brown jr. Is this the year that the offensive line is a strength, not just good enough, but actually one of the better offensive lines in the league. Well, Brown certainly gives them that. They haven't had a guy like that since Whitworth, you know, a really a, a franchise bookend left tackle. But, you know, I thought they were uh, – uh, I, I, I think uh, they're – I, I thought they played for the most part last year until everybody, you know, got hurt. And I said this – somebody was asking me this on a show the other day. Oh, well, how, you know, how come, how come the line is so bad? Well, it was – you know – they got to remember they beat Buffalo with three backup offensive linemen. You know, they lost the, yeah, they couldn't block Chris Jones. Nobody can, but they were trying to block him with three backup offensive mm -hmm. linemen. I thought they were, as they were rolling down the stretch in December, as proven by their 10 game winning streak, that they were, the offensive line was playing pretty well. I, 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 I just, you know, uh, Kappa, Karras and Volson gave them a, uh, gave them a new look and a better look. And I thought it was, it was, uh, that you know, I thought they played. I thought they played well. I I thought they played that it was a. I thought it was a strength at some points in November and December until everybody get hurt. Uh, but you know, I thought you know they won some Smith Schwartz games in Pittsburgh and Tennessee. You know, in November when I and I've seen you know, I've seen where offensive lines for the Bengals that didn't happen that they got that they can controlled by those teams. So, but that but Brown makes them much better. You know, Brown makes them much better and Kappa. Karras and Volson been together for a year, which I think is also huge. Big question mark, of course. So I think they're better there. Those four positions are better. Right. Yeah, yeah, I do think in the second half last year, they were playing as a top third offensive line in the NFL. Now, if you think of 32 teams, that puts them around 10th or 11th best. If they're like that for 17 yeah. games this year, they're going to put a lot of points on the board. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, and I, I think we, uh, you know, I, I, I think why Brown is, I think why Orlando Brown is a good fit. And I, I know Willie Anderson, and you were there when Willie Anderson was talking about a, a blind side and what really is a blind side and what is not a blind side. But I think it's going to help that for Burrow, that he knows that when Orlando, you know, that he knows Brown is going to rarely get beat. And when he does get beat, it's probably going to be on the outside. He's not going to get bold. He's not going to probably get beat inside because he's so big. You know, it's just hard to get around the man so he knows that and i think he knows you know that's I and mean, that's that's he'll be in a better spot than he has been in the last couple of years there and uh you know he'll 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 know where to step up how to step up and uh you know i think that's gonna i think that's gonna be a big advantage and we'll we'll see you know there's you know they don't do you know they don't go into the uh, uh they don't put the playbook on the shelf they're also tweaking with it too so you know you figure they're gonna fire something out that Cleveland, that Cleveland hasn't hasn't seen, and who knows? That could be uh, 
you know, is that Joe Mixon in the run game? You know, who 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 knows? What better way to for the Bengals to shock you than to come out and maybe and maybe try to nick chub you a little bit? <laughs> you know, so I, I I think you know I think Zach's done a I I think Zach's done a really good job building this with he and in tandem with Frank Pollock. You know, remember where this offensive line was just a couple of years ago? It was in tatters. <laughs> well, you just got to go back to the last play of the Super Bowl, right? You know, so Zach and Zach and Pollock, I think, have done a really, a, really a good job because they've also had to marry the pass game with a run game, and I think that's been a work in progress. And I think they've done a, I think they've done a real good job of that. Speaking of the running game, do we know who the third down back is on Sunday? No, we don't. But like you, it's not keeping me up nights. I'm going to tell you that. I don't think. I don't think you ever walked out of a Super Bowl saying, "Man, if we had that." Well, I don't know if we had had that. Uh, we had played that guy six more snaps, maybe we would have won. But I think it's obviously important. You need guys to come off the bench. I think people have forgotten about Travion Williams. I know he was hurt. Looks like he's back. But, you know, you go back. I mean, you called the games. Remember, hadn't done anything. He was he was he hadn't done anything for the first half of the year. Comes out of a snowbank in Pittsburgh, in Tennessee. Makes huge plays. Makes huge contributions in special teams. Picked up the blitz. Made some big catches out of the backfield. I, I mean, I think, you know, he's a five-year guy. He knows the system. So, you know, you know, he's not, yeah, he's not Samaj P. Ryan, but he hasn't had the opportunities that Samaj P. Ryan has had. had. So, uh, but it's, that's going to be interesting. That, that'll be an interesting active list. Uh, you got to figure, you know, you would think Travion being the veteran would be active, but will they go with Chase Brown, a rookie? Will they go with the receiver, Chris Evans? You can probably only keep three active. And it sounds like, uh, even you know, it sounds like forty that Zach is gonna. It's it's this is gonna be a rotation until somebody, uh, until somebody puts their foot down. So I, the the activation is gonna be real interesting on Sunday. The good news is that Evans and Brown were both impressive in the preseason. It wasn't like one of those guys was like, oh dear God, he's not gonna be able to help. They all looked like they can do something. Yeah, yeah, they all look like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just like the rookie class. I mean, uh. I thought it was one of the more impressive rookie, you know, just going off at Chase Brown, you know, and we, and we know what Chris Evans could do. He's won games for this team. And, uh, but, you know, Chase Brown, uh, as advertised, but so are all the rookies pretty much, which I, which I thought was, uh, which I thought was impressive. I can't think of a, of a rookie where you said, Oh my God, I, you know, they, they might, they might've whiffed there. You know, I think probably I think everybody showed up, you know, which was, uh, I, you know, which was, which was, uh, and they're going to have to now, uh, whenever, you know, with the way the salary is going, uh, you know, with the expected borough deal, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to hit the draft out of the park, you know, just like they've done for the entire decade. They got to keep doing it. More with Jeff in a moment, but here's a quick reminder that the Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. What is the most legitimate concern going into the seasons? Is it the safeties or is it something else? I'm not worried about the safeties. Dax Hill runs like a deer. Nick Scott's got a Super Bowl ring. Every time Dax Hill's on the field, he does something positive. Not worried about the safeties. I'm a little bit concerned about special teams. You've got a rookie returner. You've got a uh, uh, you're going to have rookie gunners. You're not going to have you know you don't have Mike Thomas as your personal protector. You don't have Stanley Morgan as a gunner, you know, or as a core teamer. So you've got you know you've got uh, you've got a rookie punter. You've got a um, you've got a rookie punt returner. 
You know, you've got rookies in key positions on teams. Uh, that that's a little bit of a concern, but I have I have you know I'm a Darren Simmons believer. We all should be a Darren Simmons believer in his 21st season. You know, he's going to find a way to make it work. And you know, I mean, you know, Money Mac looks as good as ever. What he perfect in the preseason, mm-hmm. three from fifty. You know, so uh, that makes you feel good too. So I guess that you know that that I I guess the the you know that's pretty good if if like if the Gunners are keeping you up at night. You know, I mean, that's, that shows you how deep your club is. But I guess, you know, the probably the overriding concern is just this offense hasn't been hasn't been together. They haven't taken a snap together. You know, Burrow hasn't played for five weeks. That's the concern. The concern is they go out there and they're invisible in the first half because it's their, pre, you know, because it's the, you know, their preseason is going to be the first half. And what's that going to look like? That's a concern. I mean, but like I say, they've been together for so long, and Zach and Brian and Pitcher have been together for so long, coaching-wise. You just feel like that they can overcome that. I think tight end is the biggest concern, largely because of Irv Smith Jr.'s recent injury history. I think if he's healthy, he's going to be able to put up similar numbers to C.J. Uzama and Hayden Hurst. So we'll see. Uh, but with Drew Sample coming back from a serious injury, Mitch Wilcox coming back from a serious injury, Tanner Hudson begins the year on the practice squad. That position group to me is the biggest question mark. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be productive. Like I said, I think a, a healthy Irv Smith Jr. should be pretty good, but we'll see. Right, right. If he's hurt. I mean, what if his what if his injury history continues? And then, you know, I I it's a good point. That's a uh that's a good point because you just kind of you forget it. You just plug in you plug in Irv for CJ and Hayden Hurst numbers, you know, you just assume, well, oh, he'll get, he'll, he'll catch 50 balls. Cause he's with mm-hmm. Burrow, you know, and they have, and then and they're going to, and they can't cover him because they got to cover the three wide receivers, but you know, you, you, you just have to hope that he's uh, healthy, but it certainly seems like they've got a, 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 I'm not saying that Tanner Hudson is Irv Smith, but you know, uh, it looks like Tanner Hudson could catch some balls for you, but yeah, I mean it's a, but again, it's not a, uh, it's an important position, but I'm not sure it's a, uh, I'm not sure it's a killer position. But then I say that, and I, and then I think of what a big factor CJ was in some of those games in 21, and some of the big catches that Hayden had down the stretch. So, you know, you just, you know, you hope that Hayden, uh, you know, you hope and Irv is uh, healthy. All right, let's put the finishing touch on training camp. Who is your? Most outstanding veteran offensive player of training camp. Bengals.com doesn't have a coveted award for that. But we may, we may, we may evolve <laughs> to that. But I would say, uh, I would say, Horty, and I watched a lot of the stuff standing next to you, so I'll be interested in your reaction. But I, I, I mean, I thought T. Higgins quietly had a monstrous camp. I thought, I thought he was, uh, he caught everything thrown at, you know, and. Uh, you know, uh, granted, Awuzie wasn't out there, but I mean, he was. Uh, you know, there was some pretty good coverage there, and he's just. Every time I look at T. Higgins, I get the same reactions when I look at Burrow. They're, they're so tall, they're so tall, and yet the things they do, they just don't play that way. But then they, you see him out there, and just T is just a monster. He is. I, I thought he had a great camp. I agree. Hard to go wrong with Chase or Higgins. I mean, they make great plays day after day after day. I would throw Trenton Irwin in there as just a guy that you never really think about. And then at the end of every practice, huh, Trenton Irwin had seven more catches today. But none of those guys is my answer. My answer is Cordell Volson. I think Volson is primed to just make this huge step forward. He's 10 pounds of muscle, bigger. 
uh, lowest fat percentage of any offensive lineman on the team. We know he's, you know, tremendous work ethic, very smart player. I think Cordell Volson takes a big step in year two. Well, Joe Mixon agrees with you because he says he's a future Hall of Famer right. so, or a potential <laughs> Hall of Famer. So we know what Mixon thinks about him. You know? I'm not uh, willing to go quite that far. And you know, like another to... guy, you know what, as, a, as, a, and you know, you were, you were good to go look at the line. Cause I, I kind of went the lazy way out in training camp. You never look at those guys, but uh, Trey Hendrickson is a guy too, that maybe you could have, uh, Oh no, we're talking defense. Well, I'm let's, sorry. let's move to defense. Is he yeah. your most outstanding defensive veteran? No, because I, because I'm again, I'm taking the lazy <laughs> way out. I'm looking at the segment. You got to go with Mike Hilton. I mean, Mike Hilton did everything. I mean, I'm with you. Know, you. Mike, I mean, you know, he, he did everything, but uh, drive a golf cart. Yeah. Uh, maybe he did that too. Uh, but I thought Hilton was terrific with a, but you got to, I think you got to say something about Hendrickson too, because Hendrickson is just, uh, you know, and he's going, you know, he's going up against Orlando Brown. And so that's not an easy matchup, but he's just, uh, that was a great matchup. And, you know, Hendrickson just, he keeps, uh, he just, he, I thought he showed just how, how, or where his mentality is. He doesn't care if it's a game, if it's a practice, or he just, uh, he's just going hard, you know. And, and I, I saw, so, but I, but you can't, I mean, Hilton, what? I mean, every time you looked up, Hilton had pick six, it seemed like. They are my one and one A, and I agree with that order. Mike Hilton would be my most outstanding veteran defensive player. He had more interceptions in training camp than he's ever had before in his life. He had a bunch of quote-unquote sacks where you touch the quarterback, you can't hit him, obviously, uh, during training camp. You know, he's showing seven years of NFL experience and talent, and it's all coming together as the best slot corner in the NFL. And obviously we know what his teammates think of him because they just voted him a, a captain for the yep. first time. And uh, maybe we'll have to name it the, the it'll be the, uh, maybe the Mike Hilton training camp defensive player of the year award, Bengals.com award next year. We'll name it after Mike because he deserves it. He does deserve it. All right. Most outstanding offensive rookie. Yeah. I, I, that, right. It has to be. Gotta be. Has to be. Has to be. Yeah. I mean, the guy caught everything. And then, and then go right to the defense. The other guy has to be the guy who was always covered, DJ Turner. Correct. The guy, the guy who was always covered him. They were in, they always seem to be in the same frame, 80 and 20. I think those are the two. Uh, we are in agreement on both of those guys. Yossi Vosh is an amazing story to me. I mean, he might have been able to be an Olympic decathlete a year from now in Paris in the Summer Olympics because he did the heptathlon because that's the indoor version of the decathlon had he had fall and, and summer to just work on track and wasn't trying to be an nfl football player he could be one of the top decathletes in the world and be yeah, I mean, you know yeah. trying to compete for a gold medal next summer i mean this was a guy he was like the youngest uh you know he's like the youngest secondary black belt in hawaii i i think and i mean he was uh in Hawaii, in the state, in the state track meet, they uh, you could only go in four events, and they let him go in five, and he won five gold medals. So I mean, this guy's uh, athleticism is just is un, is like unquestioned. You know, I think the only question about him was can he, you know, can he catch? And yes, he can, because you mm -hmm. know he uh, and he's just you can tell he's just kind of learning how to how to do it. You know, I mean, really, you know, think about that, Hordy. I mean, has he? Uh, uh, He's never really only played football. What's he going to be like after he only plays football for two years and he's not out, you know, pole vaulting? Never did spring football at Princeton. It's an amazing story. You talk to Bob Serace, his, his coach at Princeton, you know, and uh, 
it's it's to have a guy walk like that into his uh you know he didn't know who the guy was from Adam watched him play and then it went from doing a guy a favor to don't let him get on the plane <laughs> you know and so because that's how you know I think Bob kind of envisioned he would be looking up and looking at a guy playing at Boston College or Duke or something like that if you let him out of the play it's amazing that a guy like that could kind of you know go go so far under the radar no, no power five took a shot. Yeah, at him. Just... Specifically Stanford, because he made it abundantly clear to Stanford that that was where he wanted to go. He went to their football camp. He made every effort to try to get noticed by Stanford. And for whatever yeah. reason, they looked the other way. Well, the guy from Stanford noticed them. He just happened to be the Bengals <laughs> wide receivers coach, <laughs> Troy Walton. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. And in a year where a sixth round Bengals draft pick uh, has entered the Pro Football Hall of Fame, they have landed on another seemingly impressive sixth round draft pick in Andre Yosivash. Let's look ahead to Sunday in Cleveland. The Browns were seven and 10 last year. They choked away several games that they should have won. They didn't have Deshaun Watson for the first 11 games. Uh, now he's had a normal off-season and preseason, He played in some of the preseason games. We know about Chubb. We know about Garrett. They spent a ton of money uh, on their defense in free agency. How good are the Browns? Well, on paper, they're a lot better than they were. You know, I think as it plays out, they're only going to be as good as Chubb. You know, I mean, that's their, that's their meal ticket. Not as good as well, Watson? Well, I think, I think Chubb makes Watson. But but Chubb had fifteen hundred yards last year, and they weren't any good. I mean, he can you know he could have a, a little more than that. But to me, it's Watson's got to be closer to what he was in twenty twenty than what he looked like in those six games last year. To me, that's the key. I mean, I just assume he's going to be better than that. I, I yeah. assume he will be. Uh, he may Chubb. never be what he was in Houston again. Who right. knows? But there's right. no way he's as bad as he was last year, right? Right. Right. But you better make him one dimensional. You know, so I think the key, you know, you still have to stop, stop Chubb. I mean, I, uh, but, you know, we know that, that, that Watson of Houston, we know it all, all too well. He came into Paycor and won his first NFL start and he didn't exactly sit them doing it. As you know, he broke <laughs> what? He broke a third and 10 in the last, he broke a third and 10 scramble on the last play of the first half, right? And went for 48 yards. And I don't know if right. he can do that nowadays, but, uh, I think you would rather have Watson beat you than get him, or at least try to beat you, than get into what you know to get into what because that's that's how this team is. To me, that's how this team has not 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 fared well against uh, uh, Cleveland in the last you know six years or whatever. Going back to Baker Makefield, because uh, they've been able to run the ball on on the Bengals. Why I don't know because the Bengals are have been pretty good against the run once you know once they got DJ Reader. And I, I think they'll be real tough to run against uh, Sunday in Cleveland. I think uh, – I know the Browns have those two guys. To me, the game is going to be decided by the Browns' offensive line and the Bengals' defensive line. Browns have two offensive guys, and if, and if they get – two Pro Bowl offensive guys, Antonio and uh, and uh, Wyatt uh, – Teller. Yeah, not Wyatt Earp. But it, it, they are going <laughs> to uh, – but Teller and Boitonio, you know, they. I mean, if they get Chase – you know, if they get Chubb going, it's it's a different game than if they can – you know, I mean, they're going to rotate. That's the whole – the Browns' defense is their whole thing is going to rotate, and I think you're going to – I think you're going to see probably the Bengals throw a lot of those, you know, I think all those tackles are going to play a lot. Might see three linebackers. You know, I just think you'll uh, – I think Lou – I think Lou will dare Watson to be Watson. Well, when the Bengals 
beat the Browns last year and finally got a win with uh, Joe Burrow at quarterback against Cleveland. The key to the victory was holding Nick Chubb to fewer than three yards per carry. That was the bottom line. Right. Exactly. That's what, that's what we'll decide on the, on the, uh, on the late front Sunday. We'll just, we'll be, uh, um, because if, you know, if Chubb gets going, then Watson's going to be running wild. All right. Final topic before we wrap things up. Give me your order in the AFC North this year. Good. I'm glad you didn't ask me what the records are going to be. But feel free to throw that in if you'd like. Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. But I don't feel, I mean, I, you know, since he's since since he's about the only good thing I feel good about the other three, it could be, could it be the Bengals battling with Baltimore, maybe? But I could also see them being in a being in a, uh, a tractor pull with Pittsburgh or with Cleveland. I mean, I you know I I just it's interesting because Pittsburgh and Cleveland are kind of in the same. Well, yeah, but they're kind of in the same boat. They're kind of remade. You know, Pittsburgh and Cleveland are kind of remade. Although Pittsburgh had a nice little finish, had a nice little run to end it. So, you know, you got to give Baltimore the edge in second place because of MI. And to me, you got to give Pittsburgh the edge over Cleveland because Pickett is, Pickett is, you know, did well down the stretch, you know, and uh, Watson has still proved himself. But I talked to a guy today who said he thinks everybody's going to finish 10 and 7 in the division Cincinnati, Baltimore, then Cleveland, then Pittsburgh. This is the year that the Steelers finally finish with a losing record under Mike Tomlin. They haven't yet in 16 years, but this year they go a game under 500. Keep in mind, he has had three seasons where they went exactly 500. So it's not like they win 11 games every year. They've missed the playoffs three out of the last five. Kenny Pickett did have a good home stretch, but I still think he's the least talented of the four quarterbacks in the division. I think because the division is so tough, this is the year that the Steelers just barely finish under 500. Yeah, it's also, too, uh, Cleveland might have the second-best defense, you know, behind the Bengals, too. It actually Cleveland might actually have a better defense than Baltimore and Pittsburgh. They might. They couldn't stop the run last year, but they've certainly spent a lot of money trying to fix that. No, they did. Tomlinson and Zadarius Smith and the giant that they drafted from uh, Baylor, you know, help shore up that yeah. interior defensive line. I think it, it should be a really good defense. I mean, on paper, I think it's, uh, I, I think it can challenge, you know, I think it's on paper, it's better, but you know, well, like I say, you still have to, you know, uh, factor in that they're, they're going to be evolving under Schwartz. Yep. Uh, it's going to look very different in the final game of the regular season than it will in week one yeah. with the Bengals playing them on both ends. And who knows, maybe a third time in the postseason. It's certainly possible. Thank All you. right. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate your time. As always, see you in the building tomorrow. Gordy, I appreciate it. Sounds good. I know Kerry Hobson will be very happy to hear this. As Freddie Franchise is uh, continues to uh, follow the Bengals at 10 months old. It's huge. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Finally, it's time for our Know the Foe segment. As you undoubtedly know, the Cleveland Browns have given Joe Burrow more trouble than any other opponent. He dropped his first four starts against Cleveland before finally beating the Browns last December. 
But the problem really hasn't been Burrow. It's been stopping the Browns. In Joe's four losses against Cleveland, the Browns have averaged 36 points and have scored at least 32 in every game. Tony Grossi has been covering the Browns since the Bernie Kosar days. And when he joined Dave Lapham and me on the Bengals game plan show this week, I asked him about Cleveland's current quarterback, Deshaun Watson. You know, Watson's in a great place this year. Great place mentally, great place physically. Uh, He has only appeared uh, briefly in two of the preseason games. Uh, He moved the team uh, each time he was out there, but you could tell that uh, they're concealing a lot on offense. Uh, and it really the final product of is it, it's going to be a different offense from what we all saw last year, even in the six games that Watson got on the field. So they've incorporated, they've had the whole off season. Uh, he and Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator, they've, 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 you know, they've been meeting since April to tailor this offense to Deshaun Watson and, um, uh, we're really looking forward to seeing what the end product is. I think, you know, obviously there'll be more passing, more three receiver sets, and uh, how that how that affects Mick Chubb is kind of like the big mystery to us. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Boy, you have a weapon like Nick Chubb. I mean, you don't want to uh, totally get away from what this guy can provide right. for you. That's an interesting dynamic there that that they're going through. How about defensively? With the addition of Jim Schwartz, I have a lot of respect for uh, for what Jim Schwartz brings to the table from a schematic standpoint, um, the aggressive mindset that he has. I think he's a master at creating one-on-one pass rush opportunities for his best his best rush people. Uh, I, I think the guy is is really a talented defensive coordinator. Have the players responded to him? Yeah, Dave, when Schwartz was hired, and it was, it was really shortly after the season ended uh, last year, when he was hired, uh, I thought he was going to be the most important new face in the building, including all new players and anybody else they brought in. And I, and I could say after four preseason games in the training camp, uh, I'm going to be right on that. I mean, he has made a profound impact. They have completely completely redone their defensive line. The only guy you'll recognize is Miles Garrett. And they've invested a lot in new tackles, uh, two new defensive ends. And, you know, Schwartz's whole idea is to come at you at, in waves. He, he, he needs seven, eight deep, which the Browns have not been nearly close to that in recent years. So it's very defensive line oriented and it, uh, you know, they scored two safeties and a pick six in the preseason. They held their, you know, it's only preseason, but it's what we got to go on. They held their four preseason opponents to 15% on third down conversions. I mean, geez, that's not going to keep up, but it's a, it's a big change from 40% of a year ago. Tony Grossi is our guest. Let's talk about the Browns' best cornerback, two-time Pro Bowler Denzel Ward. Suffered a concussion, the fourth of his pro football career in that final preseason game. What do you think? Will Denzel Ward play on Sunday? He was on the practice field today for the first time since the preseason finale on August 26th. He was listed as limited in the open period that the media was able to view. 
he was participating in the position drills with the other DBs and looked great to me. So uh, I guess part of the protocol, he's still technically in protocol, and part of that uh, uh, depends on how he reacts overnight. Does he have a headache? You know, does, does, does he get through it? It appears that he'll be ready to go, but these things are unpredictable. You mentioned the acquisitions with the defensive line because um, the, the Browns' defense got gashed in the middle, it, it seemed like, in the running game pretty regularly last year. Picking up Dalvin Tomlinson is huge. Um, but how stirring has the battle been between what I think is a top-five offensive line in the NFL that the Cleveland Browns have with a pair of Pro Bowl guards. Betonio is the best pulling guard in football, in my opinion, and Wyatt Teller is a beast. And then this new defense, mm-hmm. you know, this defensive line that uh, that they've accumulated. How, how have practices gone between those two position groups? Well, in, in, in everything I've seen, the defense from day one of training camp was ahead of the Browns' offense. Which is kind of was, although that's normal, I guess, around the league, it's surprising because it's a completely new defense. And from day one, you could see the impact of their investment on the D line and then and, and Schwartz really masterminding that. So uh, I do think the defensive line will, will be the most improved part of the Browns team. Um, and uh, that's going to carry them, I think. Uh, you know, everyone Everyone is Deshaun Watson conscious nationally. Like, they'll go as far as he'll take them. Uh, I kind of think the defense is going to be the uh, the energy on this team this year as a result of their changes. Tony, I know the kicking situation was kind of a, a disaster in training camp. They had to, to cut uh, yeah. Cade York, who they drafted last year, and trade for Dustin Hopkins, who's had a fine NFL career. I'm sure he'll be okay. Now that they've done that, what's your big question mark at this point going into the season? Well, you know, that still is a question mark for me. Dustin Hopkins, uh, yeah, he's a legit NFL kicker going on his, what, ninth year. He has never attempted a field goal in Cleveland Browns Stadium in nine years. Uh, he's only appeared in one game there. And we know that's one of the toughest places in football to kick. And it usually takes a kicker a whole year to master the, the winds and the, the, the climate and all that. And that's why um, it's still a concern to me. Um, they traded for Hopkins. Uh, they did not trade for Nick Falk. They did not sign Robbie Gold. Can't get an answer why they weren't interested in those two kickers, but Dustin Hopkins was next on the list, and we'll see how he does. I, I, I fear a concern is that's going to be a concern all year, but we'll see. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. So that's a big concern because they drafted Kate York thinking, you know, we got to end this carousel at kicker. And now Hopkins is the 11th kicker in 11 seasons since uh, Phil Dawson left via free agency. So still not, you know, rectified, in my opinion, until I see him kick in Cleveland Brown Stadium. 11th kicker in 11 seasons? Yep. Whew. Yep. Man. Yeah, no kicker since Phil Dawson here has made it through two complete seasons. And like I said, it takes a year to figure out the nuances of that place. You've been there a lot. You know that that's a tough place to kick. And uh, here we go again, breaking in a new kicker. They did not expect it. They did not expect this. Uh, So so that's probably my biggest concern, which 
you know, if you're worried about only your kickers, I guess you're ahead of the head of the game. But um, it's something to watch. You know how close these these games are uh, uh, every every week. So we'll see how that works out. Let me circle back to the the change in the offensive philosophy that you were talking about with Stefanski mm-hmm. and Alex Van Pelt, and you know, d- determining they're going to throw the football more with Deshaun Watson. They spent a fortune with Deshaun Watson, so I can understand, you know, the philosophical reason for that. But um, d- the skill position guys, receivers, tight ends, mm-hmm. they feel like they've made upgrades there as well. Do they feel real comfortable about what they yeah. have going on to? to support Watson? Yeah. You know, there was a pretty good pickup in this receiver, Elijah Moore, from the New York Jets. Yeah. Uh, they're using him everywhere. In the slot, they're using him in the backfield. They're handing off to him. He's running routes from the backfield. He's kind of like a Percy Harvin. They're trying to turn him into. At least that's what it looks like. So he'll be, he'll be very instrumental in their offense. Um, you know, they're like I said, they're going to m- more 11 personnel, three receivers. They were very tight end oriented uh, under Stefanski. Uh, they're not ditching multiple tight ends, but I think you'll see a lot more three receiver. You'll see Watson primarily in the shotgun or the pistol, and they'll be running out of those formations. He's been in empty a lot. So that's what they're turning into. And, again, I'm I'm – I'm really interested to see how they incorporate Chubb into all of that. Here's an invitation to join us for the Bengals Pep Rally Show on Friday from 3 to 6 at Wings and Rings in Fairfield. Safety Nick Scott is scheduled to be our guest in the final hour. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. And by Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth podcast.